Hallelujah. Let's have a hallelujah for the king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is wonderful to worship with you here uh, on Palm Sunday. My name is Dennis Beausejour, and I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what's going on in the congregation. Uh, and we're welcoming all of you who are uh, worshiping online this morning. We're glad you're with us. So right now in this season, we are uh, taking a special offering for our missions partners. And what a great time of the year as we celebrate Palm Sunday and Easter this next week uh, to invest in the work of the kingdom around the world. Uh, at the Connect Desk, you can find a uh, small sheet of paper like this. It has all of our mission partners and the key focus that they have in their ministry. Uh, you can also find the same menu in, you, in our giving app online, in our uh, church center app, or on our website. We'll give you that drop-down menu, but it's a great opportunity to invest in the great things that God's doing around the world. So that's uh, our focus for this week and uh, next week, missions uh, offering. Also, uh, wanted to let you know this week on Wednesday night, we will have a Holy Week uh, service where we will uh, focus on the cross. And there will be worship and communion, so you're welcome to come. This will be a celebration of Holy Week, uh, and essentially also Good Friday, uh, midweek this week, Wednesday at 7 o'clock here in the auditorium. Uh, also, uh, we've got a new series starting in, uh, right after Easter called But God, reminding ourselves of all the times uh, in the last couple of decades where God has really uh, made himself clear to us as a congregation and getting us on that same page of spiritual history, looking through uh, the lens of the letters to Timothy and Titus. So that'll be happening uh, after Easter weekend. And we're going to have some special Saturday morning sessions during that series. Uh, one will be on April 30th, where I will share with the men of the church. Invite your friends. Everyone is welcome. And then the following Saturday morning, Marianne will share with the women of the church. And then the following Saturday morning, we will together share uh, on building your family team. And uh, so we'll encourage uh, husbands and wives to come. We're working on child care for that. That's our objective. So uh, we will have, hopefully, child care for that as well. Uh, so that's what's coming uh, up next. And then at the beginning of May, we have a flying pig outreach. And that will happen on Sunday morning, May 1st. We will cancel our 9 o'clock service. Everybody will be uh, invited to come at 8.30 uh, to bring uh, the good news of Jesus into our community. And we're going to have a lot going on that day. We are going to be having the bacon station, of course, handing out bacon to runners. But we will have a coffee station, a prayer and healing station. We will have fun and games for the kids. So we're encouraging you to all come and join in that morning. And there's a sign-up sheet at the Connect Desk if you want to be part of some of the special teams we're going to have that morning uh, to uh, pray, to bring the good news, and then we'll have a worship service at 11 that morning. All right? That good? Are you guys, are you guys ready to plug into that? All right. Good. 
Uh, this morning, we are privileged to have one of our longest uh, connected missionaries to our church. Uh, for almost 30 years, uh, we've been uh, involved in supporting and uh, praying for and receiving amazing updates from uh, our friend David Heath. Uh, would you welcome him this morning? Uh, David, David always calls me Pastor Dennis, always calls Zeke Swift Elder Zeke, and this, my brothers and sisters, is the apostle to the Dukawa tribe, right here. That's right. That's a, that's a fact. That's a fact. So David, tell us what's going on in Nigeria. Well, so good to be with you. Um, he's speaking the truth. Um, in fact, I was just thinking about when you said 30 years and I tried to do the calculations. I, we've actually had a relationship for 29 years with uh, Marymount. And in fact, in those early days, Marymount made up 75% of our support that allowed us to go in the field in the very first time. Excellent. And so, um, but I, I hope you know that I brag on your church to others because Pastor Dennis and Elder Zeke have really been our pastor even when we're overseas and ministering to us and we always feel a strong connection and being able to share uh, things that come up and how to pray and so mm -hmm. forth so yeah. I'm hoping to share a few of those why don't you go to the next slide for me if you can your joy um, I I, I kind of hesitated to share this but um, I don't know if you've heard much about the bandits in Northwest Nigeria but the five languages that we've been working with for the last five years have been heavily hit by bandits and so they'll have about a hundred motorbikes three on each motorbike with multiple guns and they basically terrorize our area and do a lot of things that I don't even want to go into detail about but go to the next one uh, one of the reasons I share this is because these are real people and it's easy to think about them as our enemies and, and pray all kinds of mean prayers. But it's been great for us to really say, ask God to really work in their lives and give them mm -hmm. dreams and yeah. visions of Jesus. Yeah. And uh, actually, That's our good. Nigerian brothers and sisters are picking up on that. And they're actually praying for their salvation, not for their destruction. Yeah, and, um, you know, I think of that, too, as we're in the month of Ramadan. You know, we don't want to think of faceless Muslims, but to really pray for them that they will have dreams and visions of Jesus as well. That's good. So if you can go yeah. to the next one, please. So uh, I was in Nigeria just about a month ago. In fact, my wife was here without me. And uh, now I'm here without her. She's Her uh, uncle just passed away, and she's comforting her, what I would call a pre-believer cousin. All right. And so uh, anyway, I was meeting with the team, and uh, we were able to finish the book of Acts. But in this very same room, I had all three teams gather, and we kind of went through some of the debriefing of some of the things that they've been going through. And if you could go to the next slide for me. This is uh, Husani. And during that session, when we were trying to debrief them through some of the trauma, he got a phone call. And basically, he was told that his house was just burned down by the bandits. And his wife and children were on the run. And uh, he didn't know for, I, I don't know the exact number, it's probably between two hours and 12 hours before he knew that they were in a safe place. And it was just so um, surreal to try to help them through a debriefing right. and it happening right before our very eyes. But mm. um, these are some things that the guys are going through. And if you can go to the next slide. 
And these are the other six men uh, from the other two languages. And so God has been working in them and giving them peace and joy despite all this. But just to be honest with you, one of the prayers that they've asked us to pray is that God would give them the wisdom as they work with a lot of new believers. Because without a real depth in the scriptures, which they're starting to get, but they're not quite totally there yet, without a real depth of scriptures, sometimes we Mm -hmm. interpret the hardships that we take as God doesn't like us or God's abandoned us. And so they've Mm -hmm. asked us to pray for them in that. Uh, You can go ahead to the next one. But there's also joy, too. Um, I'm just so touched that despite... Uh, the coronavirus and all the bandit work, the church is still growing. Yeah, and um, it, uh, Pastor Dennis, I'm sure, shares a lot of the pictures from Samuel about how the church is growing and, and a group of people come to know the Lord here and there. But uh, these are fairly recent baptismal pictures of people giving their lives to Christ. And, and these are your brothers and sisters. And, and you will Forever. share in that reward as well. Yeah. And so... Um, Anyway, I just wanted to thank you for your partnership with us, and we so much appreciate you on so many different levels, and these are the onlookers for that baptism. But if you just allow me to pray for the rest of our service and for our brothers there. Yeah, let, let me pray for the brothers, and you pray for the rest of the service. So, Father, we do lift up our brothers and sisters in Nigeria. We lift up, Lord, the, the horrific uh, challenges that they're facing and the losses they're facing. And we just thank you, Father, that as they grow and mature in the scriptures, that they are uh, they're being led by wise counselors who are praying and teaching them to pray even for our enemies, Lord. So we're asking, Father, for uh, the new believers in Nigeria, that you would fill them with the Holy Spirit, that you would deepen them in the scriptures, that they would have a perspective of eternity, and they would, in fact, be able to love their enemies. And we do pray for these bandits and these hijackers Lord, that you would, uh, you would, and these uh, 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 kidnappers, that you would draw them to Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. And Father, we uh, thank you for the time of praise that we had. It's so fitting that this is Palm Sunday as we welcome you as the anointed king. And Father, we have to acknowledge, though, that through this week there was much confusion for the early church and the early disciples. And so as we go through this week, I pray that you would minister to our hearts and our spirits as we prepare to celebrate your resurrection. And we thank you for that resurrection. We pray that your spirit reign in this service, that lives would be touched, that your Holy Spirit would break us where we need to be broken down, and that you would build us up in areas that only you can do. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Let's give some encouragement to David. Thank you. We're going to watch a quick video.
Well, we're going to keep in a place of worship as we dive into the Word of God. So if you can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19, verse 28, uh, we're going to look at the story of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Uh, All four of the Gospels capture this story, um, but I've chosen uh, to look at the Gospel of Luke this morning because Luke offers some unique insights into uh, the depth and the emotional uh, experience that Jesus has as he's coming into Jerusalem. And I think it's important for us to, to see in that his humanity uh, as well as his uh, carefully thought through uh, entry into uh, the eternal city. So uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to read the scripture and then uh, we're going to look at it in three movements. I'm going to go through once to just help us get situated in the text and really understand what is happening in the story. Then in the second time through, we're going to put ourselves into the story. I'm going to ask you to imagine yourself uh, in the middle of this story. And then in the third time through, uh, we're going to uh, listen and uh, hear what Jesus wants to say to us this morning. All right, you with me? Okay, great. So let me uh, read the text, uh, Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 44. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, Rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. These are the very words of God. So what is happening in this story? If you look just earlier in chapter 19 of Luke, uh, What Luke is referring to when Jesus said these things, he's referring to a parable that Jesus had just told. 
it was a modification of the parable of the talents, but it was about a, a, a king, a man who went to a foreign country to have himself made king. This is actually a story of King Herod, who actually went to Rome and asked to be made king over the, the land of Israel. And in this parable, uh, the resolution of the parable is that all those who are opposed to this man becoming king, bring them in front of me and have them killed in my presence. And this parable is a setup for what is going on now because Jesus has left heaven. He has come to a foreign country, Israel, and he's seeking to be made king. He's the rightful king of Israel. Herod was not the rightful king uh, of Israel, but Jesus is the rightful king. So Jesus is coming in as king. He's made very deliberate preparations for this particular entry. He has arranged in advance to have the foal of a donkey, a, a young donkey colt. He has taken that step because he is going to enter Jerusalem as king. And this is his way of bringing the scriptures together, bringing the fullness of who he is uh, into Jerusalem. So Jesus has just told this story, and now it's going to be lived out in the next five days because he will come in, as we know, they will sing Hosanna on Sunday, and then on Friday they will say crucify, and they will reject him. He's already predicted his death to his disciples three times. So he's coming from Jericho. That, that's uh, only about a 20-mile walk, but it comes up from the, near the Dead Sea. It comes up 4,000 feet to the city of Jerusalem, which is about 3,000 feet above sea level. And this is the road that he would take, uh, that ancient road that goes up through that, that hillside. This is, and the Mount of Olives is way at the top. This gives you an idea of how, uh, how Jesus is walking all the way up. Now, things have happened in Jericho. He has healed 10 lepers. He has healed two blind men. He has brought Zacchaeus into salvation. And when he gets up near the Mount of Olives, he approaches, next slide, he approaches uh, the town of Bethany first, and he's walking. So from Bethany to Jerusalem is just, this is the last mile and a half. But he stops in Bethany. That's where Lazarus and Mary and Martha live. And we know that uh, in, in that time before Holy Week, he's raised Lazarus from the dead. So there is a lot of buzz about Jesus. There's a lot of buzz about all these healings, all these miracles. Uh, he, is, he is celebrated in Bethany at the house of Lazarus. And Mary comes and takes a pint of nard and pours it on his feet uh, in, in her act of worship, of pouring out this pint of nard that is worth a year's worth of wages. She pours it out on his feet. Everybody attacks her, but uh, he says, 
She's done a good thing. And wherever the gospel is preached, what she's done for me will be told. She's prepared me for burial. So he knew. So all this is culminating. And he goes to Bethphage. Then he comes to the crest of the Mount of Olives. And there uh, we see that Jesus is looking out over the Kidron Valley. And this next slide will show you a little bit of what that looks like. Um, he's looking, uh, he's up at the Mount of Olives. He's looking down at the Kidron Valley. This is, this is looking east now. But then next slide, look across the valley all the way up to the Temple Mount. So that's what Jesus is looking at. And he is looking to come into Jerusalem uh, as the king. Now, interestingly, on Palm Sunday, that is in the Hebrew calendar, that's Nisan 10. According to Exodus, that's the day that they select the lambs. So God told them to select their lambs for the Passover on the 10th, and then they will be slaughtered on the 14th. So uh, Jesus is literally walking through the, the Jewish scriptures, and he's coming into Jerusalem uh, to be the king. He's as I said, he's planned this day super carefully. So he gets on the donkey, and uh, it just evokes all of the pictures of the Jewish prophets. So Zechariah in chapter 9, verse 9, has said, uh, had written hundreds of years before, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey on the colt, the foal of a donkey. This prophetic scripture and Daniel chapter 9, uh, which said that there would be 483 years from the time of the decree to rebuild Jerusalem. That decree was given by King Artaxerxes to Nehemiah in 444 B.C. So part of what Jesus is expecting is that they will know these scriptures and they will say, this is the time of the Messiah. This is the time that the king is supposed to come. But they miss it. They miss it. So uh, let's go back to the donkey because I want to talk about the donkey in a minute, for a minute. The donkey, imagine this donkey who's never been ridden. The disciples are wondering, like, is this donkey going to start bucking when Jesus gets on it? This donkey's not trained. And it's this beautiful picture of the creator of the universe riding on the beast he has made. But it has four really powerful symbolic things to it. First of all, it symbolizes king. Remember when King Solomon was anointed king at the Gihon Spring, he was placed on a donkey to ride into the city. So the first thing the donkey means is king. The second thing it means is it means prophecy. It means that there's a prophetic act and they wouldn't have any trouble imagining Balaam's donkey speaking in this situation and they, they would see this, this is a prophetic act. What is happening in front of us is, is prophetic. Third thing is it's, a, it's a, just a total symbol of humility. It reminds us in 1 Samuel 25 when Abigail came on a donkey with supplies to ask for David to you know, free and, and, and protect the life of her husband and all the men in her home who were going to be destroyed by David. She comes on a donkey seeking peace, seeking, uh, 
seeking uh, uh, in this humble way. And then finally, uh, it means sacrifice. We read in Genesis 22 that Isaac was taken by Abraham to Mount Moriah on a donkey. So this is, these are the pictures that are going through as Jesus comes into Jerusalem and crests the hill, and then they start uh, singing, and they break out. Now here's, a, here's a picture of uh, what goes on in Jerusalem today. And uh, we were there eight years ago doing our final day in the old city of Jerusalem when it was Palm Sunday. And the place is absolutely packed and people are jammed in to the edges of the sidewalk with all these palm fronds, uh, shaking them and singing Hosanna and singing Hallelujah. And you, you just feel like this electric uh, environment in the air and it's loud uh, and it's packed and you, you have people jostling each other and they're singing Psalm 118. Uh, in the passage, they're singing, and, and Psalm 118, verses 25 to 27 goes like this. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Lord, save us is the Hosanna. That's the Hebrew word that means Lord, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. So in this psalm, which is a Passover psalm. So, and I'm going to encourage you this week, I'm going to give you a suggested reading for each of the next six days until we get back here on Easter Sunday. Read each day one psalm. 113, 114, 115, 116, 117, 118. Those are the Passover psalms. When it says they sung a hymn at the Last Supper, these were the songs they were singing at Passover, especially Psalm 118. But also read on Monday the last three chapters of Matthew. On Tuesday, read the last three chapters of Mark. On Wednesday, read the last three chapters of Luke. On Thursday, read chapters 13 to 15 in John. On Friday, read chapters 16 uh, to 18 in John, and then on Saturday, read chapters 19 to 21 in John. And you, you're, I, I promise you, if you do that this week, your worship next Sunday will be qualitatively different than it is uh, right now and that, that it has ever been, because these are the texts that will show us the, the depth of what Jesus is doing here. We're just seeing the beginning but as we go through this week, uh, as we celebrate worship on Wednesday night and celebrate communion today and communion again Wednesday night, we'll be focusing in on the cross, and this will be, this will be the amazing uh, privilege we have. So in the heat of all this moment, the Pharisees tell them, hey, tell your disciples not to do what they're doing, meaning they don't understand that Jesus is king, meaning they don't understand that he's God, and meaning they don't understand that he deserves worship and praise. And then, as soon as they say that, Jesus says, look, guys, uh, if they didn't sing, the rocks would cry out. And he could very easily say, and the donkey would tell you as well. He could very easily do that, but he, he tells them, even the rocks will cry out. 
And then we realize that Jesus is crying. Now this cry that he's crying here is different than the cry when uh, he cried over Lazarus. When he cried over Lazarus, that word there means silent tears. It means just pouring out no sound. The crying here that, that Luke records, this is a loud sobbing. So imagine Jesus on the donkey riding into Jerusalem and he realizes whether it's the Pharisees, whether it's the, the knowledge that he has prophetically, but he is just sobbing because they didn't recognize the timing of God coming to them. They didn't see it. And some of them might have been waving the palm branches. That was a symbol of the zealots. That was a symbol where, hey, we're going to take over. This is the guy who's going to destroy the Romans. We're finally going to get rid of the Romans. Whatever it was, he wasn't, he wasn't understood. And so when David prayed for us and prayed all the confusing things that happened, these are some of the confusing thoughts that still happened about Jesus. Who is Jesus? And the confusion that reigns around us is very much like the confusion that's going on here. They missed it. They missed that the Messiah was supposed to arrive literally on that very day. They did not recognize the time of God's coming to them. And that is a question for us today. Do we recognize the timing of God's coming? Do we, can we see in this story what is happening? Can we see Jesus as he really is? And not as a figment of our imaginations. Because even the story he told before this. If Herod goes to Rome to be appointed king and comes back and is going to kill everybody who's against him being king. How much more will God who sends his only son to be king. How much more will there be a severe penalty for rejecting what God has done. And that's exactly what Jesus verbalizes at the end. He verbalizes the, the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. He literally says, because you missed this, this, this city is going to be destroyed. And this temple is going to be destroyed because you missed what God had intended to do. So that's just a, a little bit to, to clue us into this passage. Now I want to bring us into the passage. I want to encourage us to place ourselves in the middle of this scene. So to do that, I'm just going to uh, do a little theater of the mind here. So I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes. And I'm going to lead us through uh, just a, uh, I'm going to lead us through a, uh, a run through of what has happened here? So imagine that you are uh, in the scene. As you close your eyes, you begin to feel your legs being really tired after a 4,000-foot hike up in altitude. Imagine you're one of the disciples who had to go get the donkey. 
I mean, he's going to ride a donkey. He, he's going to walk into Jerusalem and pronounce himself king. Um, what, what is he thinking here? And then the palms are rustling loudly. You, you smell the donkey. Then you get a waft of perfume of this expensive nard that's still coming off of Jesus. And then there's the noise of the crowd. It's a spectacle. It's such a dramatic picture. Everybody is going crazy. What do you think of Jesus right now? How are you feeling being in the middle of this crowd? You see people singing with their hands up. You see others looking around. A deer in the headlights. You see Jesus on the donkey. The Pharisees are all dressed up in their prayer gear and their fancy robes. And they're, they're shaking their heads. And they're wagging their fingers and they're complaining. Are they right? What are they saying about Jesus? What character in the story do you relate to? Are you standing back? Being cautious? Are you singing? How are you feeling right now? And what do you want to say to Jesus right now? The donkey's a few feet away from you and he's coming towards you. Time to declare yourself. What are you going to say to Jesus?
Speak to him now. have communion in a few minutes, I encourage you to take communion with somebody that you've come with today and share with them what you want to say to Jesus. But now we're going to move into the third movement. We're going to Imagine that the, the donkey stops and Jesus is looking at you, directly at you. You are the focus of Jesus' complete attention. Everything seems to slow into slow motion. Jesus leans over and now his face is just a foot away from yours. It's then that you realize he's sobbing. What in your life might make Jesus sob? What does he have for you that you are missing? What is Jesus whispering to you right now? Every part of Holy Week 
speaks of Jesus' plan to come and die for us. So we're going to close our service today with a time of communion. Worship team is going to come up and lead us. Maybe as we prepare for communion, just consider the incredible, amazing truth that the King of the universe came for you and for me. He came even though he was misunderstood. He came even though he knew he would be rejected. Not only rejected 2,000 years ago, but even rejected every year since. But he came anyway. This is the great love of Jesus. That instead of spending eternity apart from him, he would be with us. His blood shed and his body broken for us would pay for everything. No matter who you are or what you've done, his body and blood received by faith from a genuine heart leads to eternal life. Whatever he might be crying and sobbing about in your life, he wants to heal. He wants to wash away. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life has overcome the law of sin and death. He is He is here for you. His hands are open. He wants to make up for lost time today. He wants to bring peace 
He wants to bring rest into our hurried lives. He wants to bring joy into your pain. He wants to bring healing into your body, soul, and spirit. Your king comes to you lowly and gentle on a foal. So as we get ready to come to the communion table, we offer ourselves to you, Lord. We open our hearts to you. Open our eyes. And thank you for looking at us, Lord. Thank you for looking at us. Please receive this song and then the communion table will be open.
and the sea your river runs to love for me and i will open up my heart and let the healer set me free i'm happy to be in the truth and i will daily lift my hands i will always sing of when your love came down i could sing of your love forever i could sing of your Sing of your love forever. 
healer set me free I'm happy to be in the truth And I will daily lift my hands Father, of your love forever. What a story you have written for us, and what a story you are writing in our lives today. We're thankful that you came. Lord, I pray this week that we would have a fresh encounter with you every day, that you would bring zeal for your son Jesus into our hearts as we remind ourselves of the things he said and the things he did. You are glorious, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for coming for us and we thank you that you've promised to come again so Lord this week let us enter into your story Lord that this week we would experience the love that you Father have for Jesus we pray in Jesus name Amen be blessed this week church bring the story wherever you go Bring the good news. Amen. Amen.